Content warning, this podcast contains mentions of sexual harassment, homophobia, and police brutality. Hello and welcome to yet another Queer Sounds. My name is Hannah, pronouns they, them. And yeah, we're back at it again. Our Queer Shenanigans back into the studio. Got some lovely tunes lined up for you. Got some fascinating stories, I bet. I tend to get into history a lot, but I don't really know if that I should if I should do that today. But let's see how it goes. Anishka, welcome. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, this is a first time for me, so I'm a bit nervous. <laughs> All right. So speaking of first times, um, you know, making this podcast is a very expensive endeavor. So for the first time, I'm going to actually... Um, ask for money in this because you know <laughs> fuck capitalism yeah no but for real um, licensing RSS hosting the whole shebang if you want to support Queer Sounds financially uh, go to our website fill in the contact form and we'll get in touch but yeah you do gender studies right I keep forgetting no uh, so technically I'm doing a master in economic policy But because uh, I'm crazy like that, I decided to just sort of throw in some more stuff, because why not? So <laughs> I'm doing a gender studies minor on the side. Yeah, just casually. Yeah. Uh, that's what you do in daily life. How about your, your name, your pronouns, who you are as a person? So in English, I use they, them pronouns like you. Mm -hmm. uh, in Polish, it's a bit more complicated because... There are no gender neutral pronouns and almost everything is gendered. So yeah. I kind of I kind of go back and forth, but I basically resigned myself to having um, female pronouns used for me. You casually dropping in the, the, the aspects of a Polish language before introducing <laughs> that you're Polish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, surprise, surprise, I'm Polish. Um, my name is Aga, the long form is Agnieszka, but... I usually tell people in the Netherlands the short one yeah. because they tend to butcher it. No offense. <laughs> I mean, I've definitely done that earlier this episode, I think. <laughs> it wasn't so bad. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, what motivates you to come from the from Poland to the Netherlands? Um, well, I was here once as an exchange student, which, you know, because that's how I met you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's um, about two years ago from now. Yeah. And I really liked it here. I pretty much it was the university, actually. I just decided that mine was making me miserable. And the only way I was going to do a master at all was if I got into Utrecht University. Right. Which I did. So I came here. I guess it was also because I don't feel very good in Poland because of the general political situation. Um, I bet. So it's definitely like a nice sort of rest being here. Right. We'll get into all of the details surrounding Polish politics and attitudes a bit later on. But while we're on the topic, let's dive into the first track of today. It's an old one, 1983. I'm definitely also going to butcher this title. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to try and say it. Uh, I want to say... Smierch? Close. Okay. I don't know how to pronounce the W in Polish. Like a V. Okay. Smierch v bikini? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's just, let's just play, the, play the track and you'll teach me in the meantime. <laughs> Thank you. 
All right, let's try this again. <laughs> so it's a band called Republica, I think. Is mm-hmm. how you pronounce it? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, we already came to the conclusion that there's no way I can probably uh, properly pronounce this uh, without, you know, having an accent. Um, so I'm just gonna let you do it. Uh, the song is called Schmerz of Bikini. All right. I was close enough. Yeah. Can can forgive myself for that. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a track uh, by the Bat Republica released in 1983. Um, and you mentioned that it is actually a very popular band in Poland. I mean, it is, but we're talking more like my parents' generation. Right, um, yeah, makes sense. I, I think that sort of, you know, on the wave of um, some sort of nostalgia, I'm pretty sure that a lot of people my age know it as yeah. well. Um, it is a pretty prominent band, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I can get that because when you're looking internationally as well, like this sound, the 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 '80s punkish type of sound is back all over the place again with bands yeah. like Fontaine's DC and Idols and 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 whatever. And this kind of fits into that same nostalgia nostalgia vibe. Yeah. Um, this band in particular actually doesn't exist anymore, right? Uh, singer passed away in 2001. I don't know why all of these random trivia facts are relevant, but I did find them interesting. <laughs> yeah, you actually probably know more than I do because I haven't really looked into the band. I just like their songs, but I'm the type of person who just listens to songs and doesn't really right. look into it usually. I um, mean, I'm just a person who read the Wikipedia page this morning, <laughs> so... I mean, I, I'm more of a lyrics nerd. Like, I write, like I like to get in-depth into the lyrics and right. read about, you know, the circumstances of writing the lyrics and what the meaning is according to the authors, all that stuff. So, how does that apply to this track? So, this track in particular is, well, it's sort of about... Um, Oh gosh, what's that phrase um, for like the combination of death and love? Um, I can't remember. Yeah, now. I'm just I'm just <laughs> thinking Tristan and his old type of stuff. Eros, Eros and Thanatos. Ah, right. This so that's a theme in art, and I would say that it's very prominent in their music in general, and in particular in this um, song. So. Mm-hmm. It's basically about a sort of um, the singer is just uh, asking an unknown person to um, sort of kiss him, etc., and uh, describing how it will kill him at the same time. Right. But then there's an added layer, as is usually the case. Um, I don't know how true this is, uh, as in. I don't know if it really entered the mind of the person who wrote it, but it's also said that it might be alluding to um, the uh, atomic bomb experiments in the Bikini Atoll. All right. Um, And it's a pretty prominent theory. Um, I don't know how true it is, but Mm -hmm. it does make a lot of references to, you know, water. (laughs) Right, yeah. uh, The beach. Um, so. so is that also you being a lyrics person, is it also why you chose a Polish track in this instant? I chose a Polish track because I wanted to introduce a Polish track, at least one. And All right, this yeah. is one of my favorites. This isn't actually my favorite of their songs, but it fits the most with your theme of childhood memories. Um, because this was a song, and actually I discovered the band because um, my dad and I used to carpool, and uh, we would always put on the radio in the car, which uh, played songs like this, and that's how I discovered this band, and this was a song that was played particularly often. But you're, I I think you're just as old as I am, Um, which means we're both significantly younger than this track. Yes, so it's... I think it was just Ante Radio, which is um, a station that plays rock and metal usually. Right. So they played a lot of classics as well, but it wasn't specifically like a golden oldies type of deal. Fair. 
It also played a lot of recent tracks. And then this track in particular was just popular at the time. Yeah. So what? how do you mean carpooling? Like well, your dad was driving you to school or yeah, you, you were because, driving him to work? Uh, or? Because um, he, my parents are divorced and so right. I lived with my mom at the time. And he lived somewhere a bit outside Warsaw, which is where I'm from. Um, and my school was sort of on the way to his work, so oh, he would fair. pick me up in the mornings, and we would drive. He would drive me and drop me off office at school, and then he would drive to work. Mm-hmm. The thing that I personally was intrigued by having this this punk oriented sound coming from a Soviet era. <laughs> I mean, punk was very big in Poland at that time and it was also uh, definitely a method of resistance like uh, this this band but also many other bands at the time used all sorts of tricks to you know circumvent the censorship Um, uh, a song that I was actually considering before I settled on this one has a very political message which is about a uh, compulsory draft. And uh, actually what they did is there, there was a, this um, well-known radio host of the Polish radio station who started doing this thing where he would play like a very specific jingle instead of the song. He would just announce the song on the list of hits, like the top right, charts yeah. or whatever. And he would play this jingle because he couldn't play the song. <laughs> okay, that's actually a pretty cool thing. Yeah, and and it was already after they made changes to l- the lyrics to even record it in the first place. So. Yeah. yeah, no, I I distinctly remember. Um, it's this isn't from Poland, but from Eastern Germany. But uh, I, uh, coming across this compilation album uh, called Aufstanden aus Ruin, like an entire compilation album full of. Uh, Eastern German punk bands mm-hmm. and it was just the greatest thing. Was that a thing um, going on in Poland as well? Like all different punk bands, like it was a, it was a popular genre despite yeah. censorship yeah, or because exactly. of censorship? Oh, um, I'm not sure. I mean, I feel like whenever there's a political situation like that, there's a yeah. sort of boom in art. Um, if, if it has any space at all, then it definitely... Uh, is inspiring yeah. it's a form of resistance uh so i don't know what it would be like if it hadn't happened but um yeah i, I think that it probably was more important and more, more meaningful because of it to what extent um does this play a part or did this play a part in your upbringing like was this just something your parents were into or was this a nationwide thing i think it was a nationwide thing but for my parents and then yeah. everything else, it's sort of like um, if you're interested in the culture of your own country, Fair. then you will probably learn about it or your parents will tell you about it. So I definitely heard a lot of stories um, about that time. Like my Could dad, you share one? Um, gosh, I don't remember the details now, but my dad told me a story about how he learned about tickets to a concert through a friend of a friend who had a radio station or something ridiculous like that. Right. And there was this whole like deal of trying to get into the concert, which was in um, a big concert hall in Poland. But the situation at the time was that it was the first rows were usually filled with um, people who were connected to the uh, ruling party. Right. So it was very difficult, and the rest was just like this mass trying to get in. Um, and also there was like a Polish version of Woodstock that was very popular oh, really? at the time. Uh, I mean, it's still going on, um, but it was happening then. And so he told me stories about milk in bags that was going like was rotting yeah. uh, <laughs> as like their their main meal wow <laughs> and then your personal upbringing like what what was it like in in Poland because i can imagine it it wasn't too far after uh, the soviets had left the country well i mean it was a while or at yeah, least well, enough for most of the changes to well, have happened let's see the the, the Key years that I've caught here um, is uh, the Polish United Worker Party's disbanded in 1990. 
uh, the last Soviet troops left in 93, then Poland joined the NATO in 99, European Union in 2004. Yeah, so I was born in 1994. Same as me. Uh, all right. <laughs> uh, so that was after a lot of the biggest, most painful moments of transformation yeah. in terms of, you know, the hyperinflation, all of that. Yeah. Um, and then everything that happened after, obviously, I don't remember most of it. Yeah. No, so so where my memories about. start, it was already sort of, you know, calmer. I definitely remember uh, the accession to the EU, like mm-hmm. how everyone was super excited about that. And just it was like Poland is finally catching up sort of narrative. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's generally a thing for uh, countries of the periphery in uh, Europe, like this sense of constantly catching up to the West oh. uh, and sort of measuring yourself up to it and measuring success and how close you are to Western countries. I mean, with that, I guess also comes with not necessarily catching up to the West, but catching up with capitalism. Definitely. Um, that was... Like the Polish capitalism is a very pure brand of neoliberal capitalism. <laughs> uh, there's, it's definitely still a subject of debate to what extent uh, it was necessary to introduce it in such a sort of brutal manner, let's say, because it really was a, a shock. It, it was even uh, called a shock therapy, I think. I think that makes sense. It's like yeah. some kind of thrown into the deep end yeah like um all of the all of the changes that went on um west of the wall you're expected to make within just a couple of years yeah and that also when you know there were some parts uh, of socialism that people were already used to mm-hmm. so it was even more painful because of that and that resulted in a lot of people I'm sure that was the case in East Germany. A lot of people sort of feeling like they were the losers in this transformation and um, uh, looking well, back to the past and wishing that um, it hadn't changed. Yeah, well, that, that, that again sounds like, I'm just going to go ahead and say capitalist propaganda. Like, that's, that's I don't know, I feel like I'm digging a hole for myself here. <laughs> um, enough talk about sociopolitical history. Let's get into the queer stuff. go uh i'm i'm just blown away by this track it's fantastic in every aspect janelle monet you heard q u double e n sure let's let's, Blast let's away. say the n is the letter that should be there i still i still think that like she says queer 
Yeah, well, the title says it says an N. It could also be a Q, uh, an R, but you know who's to say? Mm. Um, there, should, there probably is a remix out there that it's just called. No, like it's been a theory going on that like if you listen to it, there are points when it sounds oh, more really? like that. Yeah, that I I kind of I chose this track because um, I basically at some point I I. I feel like I heard it when I was sort of having thoughts about my own sexuality and then I learned about the sort of second meaning of it and right. I was very excited about it. <laughs> nice. So, how did that happen? You just kind of read up on it? You kind of stumbled across it? or? I don't remember. I, I think I read on, about it somewhere because, you know, I'm a lyrics geek, so... Right. Of course, I had to dig into the lyrics, and they are there are some hints, definitely. I mean, I just kind of imagined that it could also happen the other way around, like you weren't necessarily looking up, uh, looking up the lyrics of this song, but looking up information about different aspects of queerness and then stumbled upon this track. Mm, nah, it was definitely the other way. All right. Yeah. That's fair. Um, so you're ready. We're familiar with Janelle Monet. Um, how did that came about? And just kind of that 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 one fun track that she featured on, or did it happen sooner? I think it might have been actually this track. Okay. Yeah. But you couldn't have picked a better time to get Janelle Monet on this show because the tweet. Yeah, the tweet. I mean, I actually chose this song before I learned about this tweet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess for those of you who have been living exactly. under a rock. <laughs> well, a little bit of context. In, um, indeed. Yeah, so so there was some kind of uh, thing, campaign thing, I don't know, going on on Twitter uh, with the hashtag I am non-binary and Janelle Monet, uh participated in it. Uh, I think she posted a uh, uh, something from Steven Universe, the "I am an experience." Yeah. Bit. Um. And yeah, a lot of people and media outlets got really hyped about it and sort of already claimed her as one of the non-binary people. <laughs> um. They've probably reached out for for reaction but you know how management can be yeah. when it comes to that besides that they just love a hype machine yeah i mean i'm god i'm like i would be the first person to get massively hyped up but at the same time i feel like there wasn't enough context for that exactly it could have also been a message of support um so yeah yeah waiting for the for part two <laughs> Exactly, yeah, no, definitely going to come back at this. As soon as there is another album coming out, because the last one released 2018, you'd think that 2020 could be the time for another one. But then again, um, nonetheless, definitely, definitely pan, binary, yes. binary gender or not. Yes. So, um, is that, um, whenever, whenever people pick a queer artist, they either, it, it, it's most commonly because they resonate with that way queerness is expressed do you feel that way as well i mean i definitely am a big fan of suits like her <laughs> uh i don't know uh she did release um a song that has been hailed like a bit of a bisexual anthem uh the which make, one? make me feel okay which uh, has like this very prince aesthetic um yeah she also she was like basically prince protege right yeah yeah uh and it was um it had the aesthetic of of kiss yeah it was very nice and funky uh, yeah so it had a lot of uh sort of callbacks to the 80s and it also featured her sort of i don't know flirting interacting with um to people of different genders. In the music video, you mean? Yeah. Oh, I never even paid attention to oh. that. Yeah, well, you should. <laughs> I'm not that much of a music video person. Uh, I think I'm more of a music video person. Oh, I'm really? very visual, yeah. So. All right, I'll make a mental note of that. I'll put back on that. <laughs> um, yeah, so 
I was very into that, and uh, I definitely felt like I could relate to sort of more the video even than the song because the okay. song isn't uh, sort of it's not explicitly queer, but no. the video is. Um, so that was nice. Uh, I mean, I I relate to her in terms of sexuality because I also consider myself, I call myself bisexual, but, you know, mm-hmm. a non-binary bisexual is kind of... Yeah, well, whatever. Like, I, I, I what identify a- with Pan just as much. It's just that I prefer the bi-label. Yeah, whatever, whatever label feels more comfortable, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but then again, but, but, but speaking of that, why did you choose um, Queen then instead of Make Me Feel... Because it was, to me, it's very queer, especially once we know, once we have confirmed that that's how she identifies. Um, Like, you know, all the speculation, I think, can be put to bed. It was very explicitly queer. Yeah, even Um, though the first public coming out, quote unquote, only happened like, what, five years after this song? Yeah, Um, and I really like the what she says slash sings at the end uh you mentioned it now i can't quote it but there is this one line at the rapping bit i think is actually the very last line in this track um it's i defy every label and if that isn't a power quote i don't know what is (laughs) right yeah so i fucking love that i hope it's okay to curse (laughs) oh yeah no we've (laughs) <laughs> I've got that explicit mark oh, on Apple okay. Podcast for a reason. Let's own up to it. <laughs> yeah, so I fucking love that bit. Um, have you ever seen her live? I have not. Uh, too bad. Actually, I have, but um, what I actually want to say is it's surprising, really, that it took 12 episodes for a Gina Monet song to right? be featured on this show. I actually went to look if it was somewhere else, if it was a duplicate. And yeah. I was like, no, Janelle Monet, I must. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, we we talked about it in uh, in, in a previous episode with Ahmed. But um, yeah, I'm actually, I was actually very excited when you came up, when, yeah. when, when you suggested we'd play this. Yeah, I was, I was a bit bummed that I couldn't really find an out Polish artist. Right. Though. Yeah, how much of a thing is it in Poland? In Poland, because what being from, queer? Exactly. Yeah, because from <laughs> my from from my image of it, Poland is you know kind of traditionalist. Uh, yeah. Very Catholic, which is probably a problem. Yeah, it is. I mean, is definitely um, escalated in the recent years because the. Oh, it's gotten worse. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, because the current ruling party used um, queer people as a sort of public enemy in their in, in the run up to their last elections, which took place a few months ago. Mm-hmm. I actually voted here, yeah. um, and so it's uh, this anti LGBT rhetoric was very much present. I was completely immersed in it uh the last few months before i left is that the same party that wants to include like legit lgbtqia plus free spaces it's not actually the party that did that those are local governments oh all right but it's still um, a thing it's a thing yeah um it's not really you know it doesn't do anything but it yeah. is kind of uh a a display of hostility towards us definitely like yeah. it has no legal repercussions um or significance but you know when when the mayor of your town or something yeah declares it an lgbt free zone and you are part of that then that doesn't feel very good yeah, it's I'm, a deliberate attack i'm, on a I'm pretty people, yeah. privileged because i'm from warsaw the capital which i think hands down is the most lgbt friendly place in Poland Mm -hmm. Uh, but still every day when I was on the metro I had to pass through this place that um, is sort of often used as uh, sort of there's often all sorts of people collecting signatures under petitions Mm -hmm. and uh, one that was there for a long time with huge megaphones 
was collecting signatures under a bill uh, that would effectively ban sex education, um, which has passed some readings. So it's on the way to being... So people deliberately that. want kids to not be aware of... Yes. Uh, that is backwards. And um, it used the argument that it's gays, mostly gays, I think, because in this kind of rhetoric, the focus is on gay men, usually. So this this argument that gays just want to, you know, uh, molest your children using sex education, Ugh. like groom them. And it was... It definitely uh, started becoming more of a thing when more and more uh, scandals involving priests were emerging. So, you know, the argument was, well, if male priests are sexually abusing boys, then it's not really about priests, it's about gays. And that's how it was shifted. Right, yeah. I mean, when it, with that, it also kind of gives them, gives them an out to ignore all of the other people involved in the LGBTQIA yeah. plus community if they were recognized before at all. So did you do any activism in Poland to counter that? Because, you know, we met at a protest. Yeah, I I went to a lot of protests. Like there was a time in my life when I felt like my weekend plans were protests, uh, which was exhausting. Um But there were a lot of fun ones. Like uh, this one, there's actually um, a group that started because of this particular stand. Nice. Um, because it's in the center. It's like smack in the middle of the center of Warsaw. And when you're sitting in a bus or something waiting uh, near that, you can hear from the megaphones about, you know, the LGBT lobby and the gays that want to attack your children. Like you can hear it as you're there. Uh, so there that was very confrontational. <laughs> yeah, it was. So there was a group of teenagers um, that actually was fed up with it, and they started sort of organizing dance parties there because it's like mm -hmm. a space big enough for a, quite a big group of people, and so they started organizing these dance party protests next to it until eventually the stand moved somewhere else. Yeah, kind of noised them out, drowned them yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, they're called Stop Bzdurom, which is stop nonsense in English, I guess. Right. I mean, you know that better than I, <laughs> than I would. Uh, and they started this information campaign about, you know, what sex education is and isn't and how it actually protects children from uh, being... Uh, molested yeah. because they know how to say no and stuff like that um what's have you experienced any main differences between protests in the netherlands and protests in poland i haven't really been to a lot of protests in the netherlands because most of them take place somewhere outside utrecht and i don't have the travel money okay that's fair <laughs> that's very reasonable um Oh, right. Yeah. Your personal queer experience, like how did that even came up? Was there was there something that was always been itching? Is it something that suddenly hit you like a brick wall? Definitely more of a brick wall thing, though, as as is usually the case, of course, in retrospect, I can see a lot of signs. Mm -hmm. But it was because I fell in love with my friend, like the most stereotypical <laughs> thing ever. Well, that's what's happened. Um, so I just developed a crush on her. And I spent, I think, a solid year trying to work out if I'm really queer. Because I had this idea that I wasn't queer enough, especially well, since yeah. it was it was definitely a time when, um, at least in Poland, but I think elsewhere, this concept of, you know, uh, girls being bisexual for attention was a thing, you know, yeah, like, the, like the, kissing other girls at parties, that sort of thing. The, the, the quote-unquote MTV bisexual. Yeah. So kind of like that. Um, so I basically kept on wondering if if it was real enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I eventually concluded it was. <laughs> okay, that's, uh, that's, that's actually easy enough. 
So there's the 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 gender aspect of uh, the the sexuality aspect of it all. How about the entire breaking gender boundaries? Um. Well, that was actually a result of me being in a relationship with another non-binary person, um, and realizing that we feel a lot of the same things, which I thought were sort of you know the kind of the same as with bisexuality. I, I had this idea that, well, doesn't everyone feel this way? Right. Uh, so, like, when I was re realizing I'm bi, I was just thinking, well, everyone thinks girls are pretty. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just what all straight girls think. Um, so with this, I, I just thought that everyone feels this emptiness when it comes to gender that I feel because uh, for the record I, I identify as a gender so I don't really have any strong feelings about my gender identity I guess right um, so I always thought that it was kind of like an irrelevant piece of information like my height on a birth uh, not on a birth certificate uh, on an ID or something right yeah you know, like yeah That's that's what I have on my documents, but that's a very kind of interesting thing. Uh, thing because I also feel like I'm agender, but we still feel like we've got very different experiences. Still. Yeah, probably. It's like you kind of feel like it's 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 irrelevant to some extent, mm. whereas at least that's what I'm kind of rephrasing it. The, my understanding of what you just said. Whereas I feel actively repelled by the concepts of gender. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I I do feel dysphoria in some situations, which I guess maybe is closer to that. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But the thing is also that I can't help but um, be read as female most of the time and have most of sort of my upbringing be connected to that. So I, I still think that it's relevant and I still sort of align myself with causes for women for that reason. Right, yeah. Um, it's just, it doesn't make sense to me that people th sort of um, see that as an important aspect of me. Right. How do you mean, actually? Well, like... It's an important aspect of my upbringing, but in the same way that a lot of other things are. Uh, I, I think that, for instance, um, where I come from is more important to who I am than uh, the fact that I was assigned female. Right. So it just feels weird to single this out, you know? I think, I feel like I get it. <laughs> I'm, I, we're not, ex we're not, we're not, we're not quite at the same wavelength yet but I think I'm getting there uh, give it a while to sink in in the meantime let's get some music back up in here Dein 
And with that, this episode has the record of most languages in one episode. We've got Poland, we've got Polish, we've got German. Um, obviously, we're talking English. Um, ik kan er nu een zinnetje Nederlands doorheen gooien en dan hebben we het allemaal. No, no, no. <laughs> All right. Um, that counts, by the way, as four if, languages. If I, if I knew that you were going for a record, I would have chosen a different, you know, last song. I wasn't going for a record, and I also <laughs> don't want to influence your choices. Oh, fine. Um, but yeah, no. Deutschland. By Rammstein. Um... It's the most re- it's off their most recent album, so I'm gonna go ahead and guess that you also saw them on their most recent tour. I have actually. N- not only have I seen them, I've seen them twice, and I'm going to Ooh. see them a third time because I'm a bit Rammstein obsessed. Not obsessed, well, I was. Now I just like them. <laughs> <laughs> no, but enlighten me, why, why did you pick this track? Obviously they've got a great live reputation with pyro effects and... and, and the whole shebang i mean that is pretty much the reason it's um all right great job wrap it up we're going <laughs> home <laughs> like they are my best concert experience every time uh and i also picked it actually this song is possibly the most significant of all the songs i picked all right um because uh not during this song but i couldn't remember which song it was during some song um at one of their concerts which i saw in poland they uh they have a part where they sort of um you know uh swim on the audience on a raft sort of thing right they just got a blow up raft and they exactly throw it into the crowd jump on top of it uh so they do that which is sort of like a standard part of Mm -hmm. their shows but what they did in poland uh during that concert uh, was one of them actually took a rainbow flag and waved it, Ooh. which was like right, yeah. a very emotional moment for me. That was a quite a thing, now, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was uh, it was right after uh, the events in Białystok, which I don't know if you know anything about that, but there I was. I think I heard of it. Basically, there's yeah. Uh, it's um, Białystok is a pretty conservative city in mm-hmm. Poland, and um, last year, I would say now, it, there was um, it had its first pride, um, and the participants were attacked by like a bunch of sort of homophobic nationalists um and it it got quite violent i mean there were police around so you know they dealt with it but since the police isn't exactly on our side either it definitely felt like that they did sort of less than they should have maybe um and you know there was spitting like throwing bottles all sorts of stuff i think some people got punched as well um so it was a pretty stressful and sad event mm-hmm. um and uh afterwards uh it was clear that it was also su- somewhat supported by the politicians and by the church uh with um you know some sermon in Białystok being all about how it's great that they're defending Polish values, which means beating up queer people. All right, we're getting too far away from the music here. <laughs> yeah, 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 sorry. Um, so, so the yeah, concert. It, was, it was pretty emotional for me. And uh, also, um, like you said, they just have great, they, they do a g- great show. Uh, you know, they exaggerate everything yeah. so that it's, quite funny a lot of the time and the visuals are great yeah i distinctly remember um coming across a video on twitter where when they played an arena in rotterdam i think it Mm -hmm. was that someone just you know it's the type of arena with an open roof as as they are and someone from like kilometers and kilometers away was 
filming with the camera phone how the how how all of the flames would go beyond the top of the top yeah. roof of the arena and that's just insane yeah like <laughs> i can't imagine working in such heat yeah it's like, like you're there you're miles oh, okay not miles but you're far away from the stage and every yeah. time there's fire you can like feel a wave of warmth yeah um but i think I mean, my personal take on it is that at least a uh, front man is kind of a masochist. Like he has said that he enjoys getting burnt by it. So. Yeah, probably. <laughs> you, so you've seen them three times. Uh, yeah. Were they all in the same venue? Were they all uh, different venues? Same tour. Same tour. But I have seen them beyond that. So I've seen them like at least five times in total. All right. <laughs> Do you have a ranking? Favorites? Uh, least favorites? Experiences. Well, no, when it comes to Rammstein shows, like you've seen them five times. They can't always be in tip-top shape. Um, I don't know, because it was different albums. I I kind of like this one better, so I'm going to say that this was one of the best ones. Also, my first time I saw them was pretty meaningful, but yeah. at the time they were touring for Libes Feralida, and I don't like that album as much. Okay, that's fair. Um. I mean, I still like it, but not my favorite. So this one I liked better. Okay, so you like this one, uh, the most recent one, the best. Is it also because, I don't know, I can feel like when you're when you're 15, you're going for a show that, sure, that's great and fantastic, but you don't quite get the social context of it all. I don't know, Rammstein is a pretty controversial band sometimes. No, I think that I was... They had like, the experience. You know, I... So Rammstein came to be in the year I was born, and I do know that my parents were listening to it pretty much from my birth. So I was really Rammstein immersed. Right. Um, the first concert I went to was with my dad, Ooh. Uh, which is great when you have a song about, uh, you know, pussy and dick. It's <laughs> so fun to watch it with your dad. Um, oh, I can't imagine. Oh, that's <laughs> like they they have a cannon that represents a penis yeah. shooting foam at people, so that's fun. Um, and everyone listening who's ever been to a Rammstein show is thinking, "Oh my God, Hannah, you're such an idiot! How could you not know this?" <laughs> uh, so yeah, I I again, um, I was pretty familiar with the context a lot of the time because I researched that yeah because i am a geek like that uh, actually rammstein is the only reason i passed german in middle school so. <laughs> uh, i can tell you for a fact that you're not the only one <laughs> but i chose this song for another reason Ooh, because the point of the song is um having a complicated relationship with your country and, all right yeah um like the, the the song and the music video both sort of express this idea that you are aware of your country's shortcomings and that makes you in this difficult position where on one hand you want to be, I don't know, patriotic, like you yeah. want to sort of support your country, but on the other hand, it's done so many shitty things. Yeah. Uh, there have been so many failures or horrible things in the past um, and I feel like that about Poland a lot of the time because I do consider myself patriotic in a non-nationalist kind of way in the sense that I want what is best for Poland. I would really like to see things getting better there. Yeah. Uh, I feel emotionally attached to it and to my identity as a Polish person, but I mean, there's just so much bad stuff happening. So yeah, it's it's uh, from the way I get it, it's kind of like loving your country without a sense of superiority. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, like I wanted to do better. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I feel very conflicted about the Netherlands when it comes to that. I don't mm. know. I kind of distance myself from it. I think. Poland is sort of this particular situation. I think all the transition countries are to some extent where you kind of get a bit of both sides in the sense that on one hand, um, there's a lot of racist and nationalist rhetoric. Mm -hmm. um, 
But on the other hand, you also get it from other people because there definitely is some anti-Slavic mm. uh, sentiment, which is not comparable to, you know, what people of color face. Um, I'm going to say definitely. that we're yeah. not since most most uh, transition countries were artificially segregated in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, uh, so, and I definitely feel like I'm treated differently when people realize that I'm Polish. So. Yeah, I I kind of see where you're coming from. I mean, obviously, I've never had any similar experiences, but feel something. I feel like it's a good thing to address here. Hmm. Yeah. Um. But once again, taking it back to the music because <laughs> um, um. How often do you even go to concerts? Is there a difference between concert experience in 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 Warsaw or in Utrecht? I've never been to a concert in Utrecht. All right. Again, well, because money. Because money, fair. <laughs> um, but Warsaw does have a, a very strong life circuit, doesn't it? Like you've got yes, but it's not really. Warsaw in itself is great for small concerts. Right, yeah, the, venues like Offside and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, where when it comes to big concerts, we have the uh, stadium, which was created seemingly with only one goal in mind, which was soccer, football. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it feels like it's bad for everything else. It has terrible acoustics. I've been at a concert there once. I mean, yeah, but that's that's the same thing with every arena. Right? Yeah, um, but, you know, it yeah. is the capital and it doesn't have a concert venue. All right, yeah. Um, but there are other places in Poland that do. Um, I mean, at this point, Open Air is one of the biggest festivals in Europe. Yeah, yeah. but that's not Warsaw. Oh, all right. I wasn't aware. <laughs> but then, yeah, well, was he aware? I think, no. <laughs> anyway. I'm not going to talk my way out of this. <laughs> um, no, Warsaw doesn't have a good venue for big events. It has the stadium and it has an, an a disused... A uh, plane field, plane field, like, uh, airport, air, like you know, like the starting field. Yeah, or, yeah. Runways. Uh, yeah, exactly. Which is just a field of grass. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I saw ACDC there. I think. Oh wow. Uh, so I have had some um pretty nice concert experiences because my dad is really into. Uh, rock and metal music mm-hmm. and because of that he's just like you know he buys himself tickets and he's like oh hey I'm buying tickets for this do you want to go Wanna with come? me yeah. so it's pretty pretty neat but other than that I've only been to small local concerts um, which one do you prefer hmm. I mean taking taking away the terrible acoustics in arenas I prefer the smaller ones but i think my preference lies mostly with the artist so for instance rammstein wins for me because i like such a big percentage of their songs that i'm always happy (laughs) yeah so it doesn't really matter if it's like a huge venue or a small one if, if you like the artist enough yeah exactly yeah does it add to the experience though like small venues I like the intimacy of it. Yeah. Um, Although, I don't know. I I feel like the people, both the people I go with and the artist, are sort of so important to me that everything else is kind of irrelevant. Mm -hmm. There is a slight difference, but it's not meaningful for me. All right. Told you I would talk a lot about Poland. Yeah, no, I'm (laughs) kind of blown away by how little... I know about this all. Do you have any concerts that are on your wish list still? Or well, now you've really amped my appetite for Janelle Monet. <laughs> so I actually wanted to. I, I was kind of sad um, because when I came back from Erasmus uh, shortly after, I think there was a concert, um, a Haley Kyoko concert. Okay, yeah. Generally isn't my vibe, but I actually happen to like her mostly because being very explicitly a lesbian and mm-hmm. making like half her songs about this. Um, and it was in Tivoli Vredenburg. So yeah. I was like, damn, it was so close to me. But then again, that 
was also like sold out within a blink of an eye. Well, yeah, but I didn't even have a shot at it because I knew I can't afford the plane tickets. Okay, yeah, true. That's that is unfortunate. But didn't yeah. she play Poland then? How often does that happen? That large, or well, at least some artists of interest just do Amsterdam, Paris, and Berlin call it a tour. Often, <laughs> I mean, you know, I I don't f- I try not to follow things that aren't happening, at, at least in Berlin. Like Berlin is sort of reachable for yeah. for me, but um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people see um europe as ending in germany yeah um that's that's the way it is and i guess we're at least lucky enough to be one of the more prominent countries in the east so that still a lot of big bands come like i can't complain yeah i guess you're one of two maybe mm-hmm. well when it comes to eastern eastern europe Especially in the music industry, two things come to mind. That's opener and cigarette. Mm, yeah. I mean, I don't want to push you into a corner of being a representative for all of Eastern <laughs> Europe. But... Yeah, we're all a mass of the same people, yeah. you know. <laughs> Everything east of the wall, whatever. <laughs> um, we're just like uh, socialist, realist architectures, the uniform <laughs> gray block. No, but uh, funnily enough, that has actually caused people in uh, Poland to be very sort of like anything vaguely socialist. It's like, oh my God, communism. Yeah. They call anyone Shy away from left it. of, you know, conservative right wing a communist. Is So in the long run, it only kind of was, was counterproductive. Like now they're extra right winged because of a communist history. Well, I mean, it's never really very productive to, like, have your country invaded, which... Fair. <laughs> I mean, Fair. it wasn't a consensual thing, so... Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, no, let's just get some <laughs> uh, get some music back up in here. Uh, it's our last track of the day, most recent discovery, but an old one. Bauhaus. Come full circle this episode. Uh, we started with an 80s post-punk track, and we're going to end with one. Um, in the Flatfield by Bauhaus, a track 
released in 1980. No, no, no. That was Garden and Alcove. Oh, what? But oh, yeah, no, the album is, is in the yeah, flat yeah, field. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Garden and Alcove. Um, sorry, that. Where were we? You want? Oh yeah, you want to talk about Bauhaus? You want? You want, you want to talk about? <laughs> yeah, this, I just, uh, I just wanted to, you know, um, set the records, let the record show that I do know Bauhaus and I did know um, before. Yeah. This track. Yet you it's picked just, it as a most recent yes, discovery. Yes, because it just happens to be a track that I missed and I really like. Uh, All right. Like I, I only discovered it recently. Um, because I think I always kind of listened to random mixes of them and I somehow never heard this one. Hmm. Um, but it is not my favorite Bauhaus track because it's just not, you know, long and dramatic enough for me. <laughs> I really like that. I'm, I'm so great at parties. People hate it when I get to like the Spotify playlist or whatever, <laughs> because I choose to add, you know, a nine minute Bauhaus track with two minutes of silence or some shit like that. <laughs> um, I mean, in all fairness, I'm kind in all fairness, I'm kind of glad that you didn't pick that for this, for this, <laughs> for this show. Yeah, it, it wouldn't be a recent, down, it w it, it's not going to be a recent discovery yeah. if I would have done that. How did you come across this one? If you if you knew about us before, actually, it was very um, intentional because I was like, hmm, I don't actually know all the Bauhaus songs. Why don't I try to familiarize myself? So I started going one by one with Bauhaus albums on Spotify. Yeah, no, that would be a logical next question. It's like if you never actually listen to full albums, then yeah, is that is that a thing that goes for all artists you listen to? A lot of the time, yeah, because um, so I'm more of a movie person than a music person. So what often happens is I watch a movie and I hear this amazing song and then I just obsessively listen to that one song. Um, and I often don't really discover much of the artist beyond that or I look a little bit, but, you know, not yeah. a lot. Um, and when it comes to music from the 80s i i love a lot of it mm -hmm. i would consider it to be like my favorite you know post-punk sort of one of my favorite genres although i'm not really good at categorizing it yeah um i mean that's also part of the queer experience isn't it <laughs> really i didn't know that it was a thing well no i meant i meant it as a general <laughs> lack of being All able right, to categorize no labels. stuff um yeah but i'm i'm definitely more of a you know type of person who just is like oh this i like this this makes me feel good mm -hmm. um but i don't usually go and just listen to a full album of something except for rammstein why not because usually i feel disappointed after finding this song that i love the most and i just a lot of the time i like specific songs from an artist but i don't like everything the artist makes that makes sense um there's a lot of bauhaus songs that don't just don't do it for me mm -hmm. so what is um what is a new artist that you recently discovered because you know we're, you're the first one to bend the rules of this category like this really and i'm intrigued what do you mean by bending the rules i mean the rules were that it can be old <laughs> yeah no exactly but you're the first one to actually do that most recent artist well that's gonna be really funny at least for polish listeners it would be because actually the most recent artist i discovered <laughs> discovered air quotes sure. is um one of the most famous polish rappers oh really um and the story behind that is quite funny i don't know if we have time Sure. Um, so I, a friend of a friend is, um, I actually don't know what they identify as, but I'm going to use they for now. Um, they are fundraising for top surgery. Right. Uh, they're Polish. They live in Poland. And so, uh, I found myself in a group, uh, for the fundraiser. Um, and we were posting all sorts of things for an auction to raise money, sort of between us. Right. 
Um, and someone, the, the, the offers were sort of getting more and more bizarre, let's say. Mm-hmm. And someone um, auctioned a live stream of them rapping this entire song by this artist. Right. Uh, which is very difficult to do in terms of just breath management, I guess. Sure. Um, so that's how I discovered it. Um, with that, this has been Queer Sounds. Um, as always, you can find us at Queer Sounds Pod on both Twitter and Tumblr, um, queersounds.com. And once again, um, if you want to financially support it, you can you can go ahead, drop a line. We'll get in touch, uh, work it out. I'll just I'll just send you a link. You're on Fedmo, right? Yeah, no. Um, but um, if you want something in return, we've got stickers. We've got stickers now. Yeah, you can buy your stickers over at queersounds.com. Um, but also drop a line. I'll have to I'll have to up, I have to update the website still. Um, let's call it. If you've enjoyed this, uh, tell a friend. Um, we're always we're always excited to see new listeners dropping by. Um, also, don't hesitate to drop a line if you if you just want to say hi. If you've got any suggestions, um, you I've I've just mentioned all of the channels. I'll see you next time. <laughs>